is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E.G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I am Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm on your host, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello, hello. And our special guest for this week, Darren Brown. Hi. Hello again. So today we're looking at 88 and 89 of About Time, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is uh, which opens with Tim realising that Posey isn't Posey and saying, hello there, little boy. You just wait there and I'll be back in a minute. And we have the uh, a, a sort of time travel sound effect briefly, but you've you've noted, Robert, in your in your notes that I'm it's stealing from sound, yeah. that it sounds like a beating heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll try not to think too much as to what actually happens to this little boy when he erases him. Yeah, that did occur, that did occur to me too. Yeah. Well, if you get technical, even if he erases him, Tim still remembers him. Yeah, which is possibly worse. Uh, <laughs> like, at this point, either way, if you get into the like details of it. Tim remembers a year with a baby that no longer exists. Possibly a year with two babies, because if he erases things, he probably gets a third one. Well, except we've got this weird thing that he isn't, doesn't seem to be remembering the year with the baby that no longer exists. There's no evidence of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just a sort of, he's a mis- clearly a mystery baby to, um, But if he doesn't remember things, then he should never have to reset anything, because there'd be no reason to. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, well, yeah, so he's carrying around a lot of secrets from his, um, you know, Really, the rest of the movie, their oldest kid should have been this boy, not yeah. Posey. Yeah. It's like he wouldn't go back and risk it again. Because he's just going to get a third child, and then he's going to remember two babies he never had. Yeah. That's yeah, nice. it's just it's horrendous. There's a horror movie in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's lovely about this, though, I think, is the... Uh, underneath the kind of intricate, twisty-turny plot realization moment, which is going to be really important in finding allowing for any kind of conclusion because it starts to impose some limitations on what, on what he can do and we're no longer just kind of having, you know, fun. There's a really lovely thing of um, that theme of the incredible chances that any of us could exist and that, you know, that we are that chance meeting of one of yeah. billions of sperm meeting one of thousands of eggs and that, that thing happening and that moment, that leading to that and then all the thing of, I suppose, implication of what, the chances of, you know, your mother meeting your father and so on and their, their parents, parents meeting. meeting. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's that lovely thing of this funneling towards that. It isn't presented as that, which I quite like, it isn't, it's not a schmaltzy thing. They do it very well in, oh, what's that, um, it's not X-Men, is it? I haven't seen those, but there's, uh, somebody, somebody will know it. There's a great, uh, superhero movie with a conversation about exactly this. Someone's gonna destroy the earth and then they realize. I don't remember. I, re- I know there's a, there's a short film that was up for an Oscar. Might have won. Uh, the Danish poet is about that. Oh, okay. It's this half hour explaining the events that led up to her parents meeting and her existing. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a really it's a really beautiful thing. I used to in one of my stage shows, I had a sort of a speech around that at the end, and um, but it always slightly bugged me as well because it's one of those slightly bad maths things as well, isn't it? Like, what are the chances of of this? And that and this and that to the chances of you existing are one in, you know, infinitely near, you know, billions of bit. But actually, of course, it's one of those things that if it isn't, the chances are just, you just do exist. And, and right, you exist, so the chances are great. <laughs> the chances, yeah, exactly, they're one in one. Yeah, and it used to slightly bug me every night. I loved, I loved the sort of feel of it, and I loved the, 
you know, that little sort of um, zing of how, how, how extraordinary that we're even here. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, of course, it's... And it, and it turns into sort of existential horror moment here because he potentially was going to lose his sister. She almost died. Yeah. And then in trying to save her and make her life better, he loses his child. Yeah. Mm. And I guess he he sort of does a near opposite thing and when later on when he chooses to have another child but loses his father like it's a, yeah. you know it's you could even say it's almost him making up for the child that he erased. But even then earlier. if you come back to my interpretation last week where I was saying there is no time travel in this movie. Like everything's a metaphor. Him talk helping Kit Kat is like a therapy session. What what would you do differently if you went back and had a chance to not meet Jimmy? And this is like Every time he thinks about the past, it affects the way he interprets the present, because that's how memory works. And so the more he focuses on Kit's cat's past instead of helping her in the present, it messes with his ability to do his job as a parent, because he doesn't have time. He went back to Cornwall for like a weekend, whatever it was, when he has a one-year-old that he should be helping take care of. And so it's like he has to learn to focus on all of these things and know to prioritize the things that matter. Oh, I like that, yeah. Yeah, so so Tim goes and has a asks his dad if he can have a word. He says, "Yeah, sure." And he says, "I can't go back before the birth again, can I?" This is an annoying thing which really bugged me that if you watch the trailer for the film, this is in the trailer. Oh, really? Oh no, that's that is weird. Yeah. The dad's death is in the trailer as well. It's like, all right, just spoil the entire film. Uh. Which is what, yeah, when I try and send this over to people and be like, "You should watch About Time," I don't want to show them a trailer sure. because it just yeah. ruins it. Yeah. Um, since you paused, I would note the newborn is literally the same baby because it was played by a boy in the first place. So they didn't even have to refilm with a new infant. Say that again? It was... Oh, it was the, actually... The, the newborn is... It's a little boy named Charlie. And so the the baby that mum is holding is the same baby that she was holding before. They didn't switch it. Oh, I see. The new... Right. Right. Because oh, newborns, you know, their hair is slightly different color anyway, so it doesn't matter. So that baby's grown up. Over the course of making the film, am I misunderstanding what you're saying? No, no, no. I mean, the baby they used for Posey being born is the same baby here, which this shouldn't be Posey. This should be boy Posey. But they used the same newborn because it didn't matter. Newborns all look the same. Oh, I see. There's actually a newborn. Right, sorry. Yes, yes, that makes makes more sense. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, so the dad (laughs) says, no, I should have mentioned that. You're okay until it comes out, but the exact sperm at the exact moment got you this particular baby. So if you do anything the tiniest bit different, you'll have a different child. So Tim says, so every day up till yesterday will be as it will always be, lost. Just like for everyone else. Okay. So yeah, it's true. We never... So so Posey's still knocking about, like when we're later on. But we don't see him fix this, do we? No. Somehow he has to go back in time and keep himself from going back in time to help Kit Kat. Which would be easy to do, but it might be hard for the film to show is that he goes back to the moment where he was already in that hospital room going back to help Kit Kat or something. I I would note, as the American in the group, that I like that this conversation happens in front of a door labeled ward manager slash sister. I quite like that as well, as I was watching it. I don't really... Why, why does that appeal to you? For a British thing, that might be just something you see in every hospital. Yeah. But for me, it seems meaningful because... He is the like the manager and the ward for his sister in this moment, or he's trying uh, to be. Yeah, absolutely, you are absolutely he's trying right. To be a How lovely! Yes, of course. So we open minute eighty nine with Tim saying, "Interesting, tough. I love you, Dad. I gotta go." And he leaves, and we see the accident 
again, which is, we haven't talked as much about it when we actually had the accident. It is beautifully shot. And there's a lot of jokes on the commentary about the fact that Lydia, who plays Kit Kat, can't drive. and <laughs> it, it works well when she's, <laughs> when they've got the accident. She said that apparently the stunt person said it's scarier to give lines on screen than to crash a car, and she disagrees with that massively. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's nice to... Obviously it's not nice to see the crash again, but it's, it's beautifully shot. And then we cut to the hospital, and it's dark, and it's just Tim and Mary beside the bed. Kit Kat says, go home, and Tim says, no, we're not leaving this room until we find a way of making sure this never happens again. And she says, will you go now? And Actually, that's that's the minute. It's off for the dialogue, yeah. yeah. For the dialogue, yeah. Flat up sitting there. Visuals. It's it, it, it is shot wonderfully. And one, it's important to the idea that Kit Kat has to fix her own problems because yeah, he still could have stopped the car accident. Posey's a year old. He's got a year of days to try to go back and fix Kit Kat, but it ultimately is pointless. Just like at the beginning of the movie, where he had to learn that he couldn't make someone love him, he also can't fix Kit Kat. He yeah. just has to help, in, in help same, her along. In the same way he's learning for himself that the magic of all this isn't isn't gonna save him either, but it's right. It's his own realization he has to he has to uh he has to it's come like to, we yeah. from what we've learned, the dad in the present doesn't time travel anymore. Because yeah. he doesn't need to. Yeah, I think it it is well and it, it's making me think more and more about your interpretation, Robert, because for a while my interpretation was just that Tim's an unreliable narrator, so some of the things that happen are exaggerated because that's how he remembers it in telling us. But in looking at Robert's interpretation of time travel maybe not even existing and this just being, like, you know, a psychological way of looking at the situation, I think is definitely interesting. And obviously, Darren, you've got a, a better background in psychology than the rest of us, so. Well, I, 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 I like it as a, as a stoic, uh, message that what Tim is learning, so the, the stoicism was, the most popular school of philosophy for 500 years before Christianity took over. And the central messages of Stoicism were primarily that you... Well, first of all, that it, these are all ideas we're sort of familiar with nowadays, but they really thought about them a lot more then. One was that it isn't events in the world that cause our problems, but it's our response to those events. It's how we judge them. It's the story that we tell ourselves about those events yeah. that create our problems, which makes sense. And then once you've sort of got your head around that, the interesting and peculiarly stoic thing that comes out of that is that their model of happiness was about avoiding anxiety, which actually is quite a quite a good way of approaching it because you can you can at least you can grasp what happiness it's a it's a clear idea of what happiness is. Otherwise, you're chasing it's like rainbows are good in it. Otherwise, it's too abstract. It's yeah. too abstract. It just moves further away the closer you get to it. Like a rainbow, it's a good uh, metaphor for one. So the stoic model, the stoic way of avoiding anxiety is is as follows. They say. You can only, well, if you try and control things that are out of your control, you will become anxious and frustrated. The only things that are under your control are your thoughts and your actions, and that's essentially it. Everything else, what other people do, and what they think, and what they think of you, and that, 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 you are not in control of. So the stoic approach was just to make peace with everything outside of your own thoughts and your actions. Those are things that you can change. Everything else you decide is fine as it is. So, like, if you think about success, for example, you can distinguish between things you're in control of. Like if you're playing a game of tennis and you go in thinking, I must win, you're trying to control an outcome. And the chances are you'll start to get anxious because if the other person is better than you or they start to play better than you, you're going you know, to feel like you're losing. And Because if you go in thinking, I'll play as well as I possibly can, 
then that's that remains within your you know the remit of your own thoughts and actions. It's easier to get there. Yeah. So so sometimes it's about splitting things into looking carefully at what parts are still under your under your control. But essentially, that thing of not trying to control the outside world and just paying attention to your thoughts and your actions. And that there's a real sense of that in this in this film. There's quite a stoic kind of urge through it that that you aren't going to reach your point of of happiness by magically trying to manipulate things that you can't, which the whole time travel thing seems to be uh, a metaphor for. What what he has to learn is to live each day in a, a sort of easier accordance with what's happening and look at frustrations and anxieties a little differently um, and look at fortune differently. Fortune was a big, you know, Greek thing. They loved that. We don't really talk much about fortune anymore. Um, and so I, I I love that. I think there's, that's that's uh, that's a lesson that he has to come to, and the sort of the, the magic of the time travel feels like the magic of trying to control a world that you that you can't. Um, which is why it's lovely that the ultimate realization for him is actually personal and and modest, and that it's the ordinariness of situations that this film again and again returns to, and that's where you find the the real magic in it. And this this brings me back to how I got to podcast in the first place was Groundhog Day. Mm. Is because I I watched that every day for a year and wrote about it every day, and that's that's a big thing with that film is he has to realize he can't control all these other people. Yeah, he could just appreciate them for who they are. Yeah, and then he has to deal with himself. Yeah, the movie this movie works the same way. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I do think that yeah that that is a a sort of brilliant reading of the whole thing and that. I think it's a good message to take out of it as well. The idea that you can help people with their problems. Something which I've had to realize a lot recently. You can help them realize things for themselves, but you can't, you can't make them better. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's almost an important message to take out of it, really. Well, especially something like Kit Kat, her, like alcoholism or the choice of like your partner and choosing the wrong people. That's something that you're going to do over and over and over. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So you can't just magically turn it around by, oh, she got together with Jay when she was younger. Yeah. She's still Kit Kat. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So uh, have we got any other thoughts on this minute before we wrap up Wednesday? Those are all my thoughts on that minute. It's a great minute. And I love your point about the uh, ward manager's sister on the back. That's lovely. I was looking at that thinking, that's dead center. That's a choice to put that there. Well, and, yeah. Uh, you've, yeah, you've nailed it. Of course, that's lovely. I hope so, at least, yeah. So, Darren, where can our listeners find you on social media? I am Darren Brown on Twitter and Instagram, darrenbrown.co.uk. Just got details of my new tour on there, which, because of all this, had to be postponed, so we're really hoping the world has changed by uh, <laughs> by Friday. Oh, no, Friday? Not Friday, February. <laughs> Not Friday. Big difference. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, hopefully some Friday in February I will be uh, I will be uh, touring. So, yes, uh, Twitter, Instagram, just just my name, Darren Brown. And Robert, where can I find you? Same, my name, Robert E.G. Black, or lemmingdrops.com is the website. Um, and the listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, Instagram the ginger luke, Facebook Luke Allen film, all podcasts, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm involved with is at lukeallen.co.uk. This show is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at two mins about time. They can also join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to discuss all things about time and this podcast, Dan discuss any tangents we have or whatever 
Today's goodbye is brought once again from a random website I find listing different ways of saying goodbye. And and take it easy. Goodbye. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. Mm-hmm.